0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.
1: I feel like I remember a lot, but I don't remember this.
2: Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been this nervous in my Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK At WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Thanks as always for making your way here Checking out the series You know what to do Like what you see, what you hear Uh, Hit that subscribe button I put out three new interviews every single week So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists And discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts At Spotify and Podchaser NPR WFPK.org YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Merritt. Today, my guest, Molly Rankin of the band Always. They're back with their third album called Blue Rev. Uh, We're going to be talking about, let's see, um, her sense of nostalgia, and as she says, feeling like an old person, uh, searching for forgotten media, and the attempt at keeping some mystery in the uh, social age. Molly's going to go on to talk about uh, channeling R.E.M. and the Smiths, possibly even covering the primitives or lush in the future and the importance of poking fun at yourself as well so uh let's do this shall we we're talking blue Rev. it's kyle meredith with molly rankin of always
4: hi how are you
2: uh congratulations on blue rev i feel like that's where i should start right now because um man i love what you all do every single time and are the the accolades now the end of the year happen and you guys released it just at that perfect time where people could really put it on the the top 10 list and i feel like it was everywhere i mean does this still surprise you in that sort of way when you get all of these accolades like that
1: yeah i i am kind of blown away by just the kindness that's been thrust our way i i felt you know for a while and i'm sure alec could agree that we felt like we were going off the deep end so it's it's cool that it's not just been a huge flop you know that's (laughs) where my bar is
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's not a huge. so what do you mean like you you thought you were going off the deep end like to, to what extent does that does that mean
1: i don't know i just thought some of our ideas i couldn't tell if they were just things that we were attached to um, because we had been sitting with them for so long, uh, I thought maybe they were just a little bit too strange or off-putting and, and, you know, just little weird idiosyncratic artifacts that no one else would really connect with. Yeah. So I, I didn't know if that would really, um, resonate with other people.
2: I don't know. I And this is, you know, I'm personally speaking here, I I feel like those are the moments, like there's that general thought like, oh, you've got to make it universal for it to work. But all of my favorite stuff is sort of the opposite of that, you know, like this super inside jokes that I have no clue what they're talking about. Like those are my favorite parts of songs.
1: I feel that way too, like things that have multiple meanings depending on who's hearing, you know, the words or interpreting them. But yeah, again, like you know, the record isn't—it's not some ambient drone record. It—it it is, you know, all of the songs are pretty, pretty poppy. So it's not like we were <laughs> too out there.
2: Well, I don't—I don't know if I picked up this line from something you all said, or the press release, or another interview, but but it's sort of a line that stuck out to me somewhere anyway was um, kind of hearing this record as someone looking at the present through the scope of the past, and. I do hear it a lot like that, you know, not even knowing the specific stories or the specific people that that you're talking about in here. But but I don't know. Let me just start there. Like, is that is that on the right? Do you kind of hear the album in this sort of way as well?
1: Good question. I mean, I do kind of feel like an old person. (laughs) Um, and I, I you know, (laughs) I spent a lot of time around old people in my youth, just going to square dances and, and sort of what happens in old communities where you go to all the funerals and all the wakes and the weddings. And that's kind of what you do when you live in a small town. But so I I am, I feel like an old person and maybe that trans, uh, you know, goes into what, what we write and how we sound. But also, yeah, I do not I, I do like things that sound old and fuzzy and, um, you know, a little bit worn around the edges as opposed to, you know, something huge and expansive and glossy and pristine.
2: Well, there's even like, and I think this goes in a different direction of nostalgia than maybe what you're talking about, but like there's that image that you all put out when uh, when Very Online Guy was released as a single and you're all gathered around the old computer, which I'm pretty sure I have one of those computers around here. But uh, but like in in that sense, like and maybe that's just a goofy picture with an opportunity to do that. But but do you find then that you're like a hunter of nostalgia of of like things that are lost?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is hard to find that stuff. I wish I'd known you had one of those computers because, <laughs> man, did I go down some crazy Kijiji? Uh, I don't know if you have Kijiji in the US, but just talking to these dudes who have these old Commodore 64s and stuff that were really really wild people that I had no success in, in renting, you know, uh, an old machine from people who own that stuff are really protective of it. (laughs) Rightly so. But yeah, I guess that we took that picture because I felt like it was the most fun we would ever had making a video and it was probably the least expensive video we've made in a tiny room with like a couple little pieces of fabric as backdrops. And it was just cool to kind of, uh document bare bones the setup was
2: (laughs) it's a fun pick and for what it's worth i'm sitting not that computer but i am sitting next to a computer that i think is running windows 2000 and next to it is just a stack of cd-roms that's i've just gotten more or less for like a buck through ebay it's (laughs) Oh, so it's you're a, on eBay hunting for that stuff. Oh, I am, and I don't know why. So
1: I could ask you the same question
2: then. I am. I mean, that's true, I, and and I think that's why you know I related to that one part of it because yeah, well, that's what we do. You know, we I think a lot of us we look for ourselves in the arts, but uh, but yeah, I do. I I, I like lo- I love finding lost media, and and especially in that kind of stuff. I mean, whether it's there are old music magazines. I don't know if you remember those, like Launch magazine, or. Um, or blender before it became a real thing they did cd-rom magazines you know thinking that was the wave of the future and then the uh, internet sort of took them out but and and cool. there's all the yeah just and it's lost most of the stuff never made it to youtube and why do why do why do i like that why does anyone like that you know it's i, I don't know what it is about lost media but um but it is fun
1: yeah it also just sort of the i i like to I know what you mean, and I find even the logos, like old logos are so cool, the colors they use and the texture of the paper. I find myself just sort of looking for that stuff and cutting it out and using it as show posters and stuff just because it's... I don't know if there's a specific the approach to the way that people would assemble something visual that it has changed.
2: I mean, obviously, yeah, it, maybe it's exactly what you said. It's, it's something that isn't... um what's the word ubiquitous? I mean, it's just not, you know, this stuff isn't everywhere. It's almost like a little secret, I guess the logos too. I, I I totally understand what you're talking about right there.
1: I like the retro like fast food chains when they upgrade their logos and stuff. It's always so sad (laughs)
2: because the old,
1: you know, the seventies version of it is usually way cooler.
2: And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples Uh, I I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried, every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with uh, Molly Rankin of always like I'll use this as a way to get back into Blue reverend this album because you take a song like Tom Verlaine, which is not about Tom Verlaine, but the idea of Tom Verlaine, the idea of television. I mean, it's that that's a band to me that's mythical because of the mystery. Like it's not just like most people don't even know if they're dead or alive that I found out. There's something, you know, it's it's like legends because of what they won't give us, which is like everything. Do you, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I really love that approach to just being sort of behind a curtain. It's hard to do that now. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy the mystery and the intrigue of, of what you don't know. Sometimes, you know, we you, the more you find out, the less exciting it is. <laughs>
2: Well, how do you take that on as as an artist in 2023 now? I mean that's that's got to be an interesting tightrope.
1: Oh, uh, I mean it is. You do have to be around in a, in a certain capacity. I think you know, just you know, bands can't really. Very few bands can get away with you know certain not having specific platforms to promote and to get out there and and be seen and and heard. It's it's a hard uh line to walk i guess but i i kind of just put stuff out there that i think is pretty or cool and and uh try to stay away from overt branding and and sponsored things and whatever just kind of feels gross but everyone has their own little meter for what what they are willing to do and not willing to do
2: now i feel like you guys do that well um i mean again i say that as a fan but there is an air of mystery to to always, which I think is probably funny from the artist's point of view. Uh, sometimes,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It's like uh, I guess we, we you do have to give a piece of yourself, and that can be in the music too. You know, you do have to share a small nugget of your yourself to to be able to reach people to a certain degree. Yeah. In my opinion.
2: Well, you know, on the on the idea of, of television and, and Tom Verlaine, I mean, for an album full of two and three minute great little songs, um, do you guys have any 10 minute jams in you that you work off like that?
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we're, uh, uh you know, sometimes we're, we don't really uh, let things stew as long as a lot of other bands. I, I, we're not in a rush, but. It it all seems very economical.
2: (laughs) Well, that works out. I take a song like pressed. I think you even, as we're talking about other artists being a bit Smith's inspired on that song. Uh, But there's a line in there. uh, Lay baron. You uh, you," (laughs) God, I can't even say that word.
1: You got this.
2: (laughs) Eulogize. Holy water. Lemon rind. I thought how Michael Stipe of you.
1: Oh, I mean, R.E.M. is definitely the chorus of that song. We're, you know, Striving for an REM vibe, so it is kind of like this uh, Smiths REM stew.
2: Today's Michael Stipe's birthday. Oh Winston really? Lee. Yeah, just I, I just uh right right before we did this, I kind of realized that. So for what that's worth, they're my I think they're my number like that's kind of silly, right? Who's your all time favorite band? Like, well, I don't know what that means, but I think REM's kind of my all time favorite band. Like, if I've got to go to bat on that one,
1: yeah, we were having a conversation the other night, just me and a few friends about you know American rock bands great american rock bands and R.E.M. is right up there they're they're in the top slot probably for me
2: and it's just kind of crazy how many different sounds that they continue to give uh right up until the end it's um almost yeah, nuts because I mean, they didn't have a unified sound you know
1: yeah they inhabited a lot of different fidelities too
2: uh bringing the smiths and 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 just being goofy have you kept up with the latest Moz drama
1: oh man no <laughs> <laughs> Is it better if I if I don't
2: know, though? Uh, well, I don't know about this. Usually, <laughs> yes. Usually, yes. Because, right, to be a Smiths fan, and that's all you have to say, right? They, I mean, we all know what that means. But this one's one of those, like, it's one of the ones where he released a single, and then the album release date, and then he has a lot of guests on it, but now Miley Cyrus is pulling off, and he says the label isn't releasing it anymore. And who knows? Because it's just, that's what happens with Morrissey, and there's... A fun story to go along with it every time apropos of nothing about this interview by the way
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean he's got that he's got a beautiful voice
2: <laughs> he does have a beautiful voice do you guys um I'll, I'll, I'll stay with the playful for a second um you know as we talk about favorite musicians have you ever covered another album in full like like you you know artists cover songs but have you all tackled a full album by a band and and if not would you ever who would it be
1: oh that's interesting. Um, I mean, if we did, it, maybe it would be like a Primitives record or something. Oh, yeah. I really love, you know, the sound of, of those albums. Um, I don't know. See, I have such a strange, you know, like um, a lot of the music that I listen to, Uh, like we could never cover like a clean song or something because I I don't sing in that register. So you have to be, we have to be like really specific about the songs and i don't yeah i don't know who that would be a lush record maybe who knows <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a good i mean that's a good call right there i would i would pay to see that
1: gave <laughs> <laughs> us like 15 years when we're you know
2: <laughs> noted i'll put it in, in the calendar moment. yeah yeah put it on the dance card here having the record with pharmacists right at the top as I listen to it, and I don't know if you mean for it to listen in this sort of, you know, straight line arc story kind of a thing, but is fourth figure a conclusion of, of Pharmacists in, in any way? Do you, Like, do you think of the songs in that way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I liked the idea of that just being sort of a secret track on the record. And I, you know, that I have a lot of experience with being in, in a dance hall when it's, when, you know, the cans are rolling around at the end of the night but um i don't know like you can't really do a secret track anymore do you remember those oh no, absolutely
2: 90s? the hidden tracks are great <laughs> yeah like
1: it works on cd i guess i but uh yeah i mean i try to make records and and i know all does too where there's an arc and uh you know kind of the uh, an intro and an outro and and not not literally but you know, just sort of like this big sense of of a complete thing, which I think most most artists do.
2: I do love hearing that song, especially um, not even in the sense of like a hidden track, but just as a conclusion to, you know, a thought started in there. And the way you play with, uh, on, I'll say it this way, the way you play with my emotions <laughs> through the album, because <laughs> I know you Sorry, totally had me in mind, but like, like, like Velveteen, like. Is the narrator insecure, or or is the narrator taking control? If that's the only two options,
1: um, I I mean you can be both, sure, uh, but which I feel like this the album has a lot of that, just a wide spectrum of personality flip flops and and, uh, but yeah, I, I think mainly insecure in in sort of a, in a way that's poking fun at themselves. Which I, I find really important to do in in songs when you're feeling sorry for yourself so much and and things just seem a little bit melodramatic, to to balance it with some wit, which is you know what a lot of my favorite bands have done over the years.
2: Especially the poking. What there was someone, I was reading um, comment section somewhere, and I think it was around Comrade uh, oh. <laughs> and Spinster, but someone called you Molly Mayhem. Here comes Molly Mayhem on that oh, song. Oh yeah. Uh, with, with that was so much fun, too. And and I could say that about so many of these songs. I mean, the playfulness in Bored in Bristol and, you know, after the earthquake, I think it's just a classic already and and very online guy, which we, you know, I started with talking like like there are these moments of catastrophe in that song, like a feeling it could fall apart right up until the bridge, uh, you know, like how did how did you, how did you all put that song together?
1: Uh, Very online guy.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, Alec ran the second chorus through a chorus echo and it just, you know, bent the pitch and took me into different genders and <laughs> registers. And I was just sort of like bouncing all over the place. And in the beginning, I, you know, I, I thought it was really funny. But then we both were thinking, oh, no, like when we put real lyrics in here. How are we going to get the same thing because a lot of that stuff just can't be redone in the same magical way. It's just like um, in the vocals for Pomeranian Spinster, that was just a random rehearsal that recording that we had with me, Carrie and Alec. And I was just like yell singing, you know, having a beer or something and just trying a bunch of stuff, ad-libbing and Alec kind of just unearthed that vocal take after months of not knowing it existed and there was really nothing else that could compare to it. And and that energy is just something that we had the opportunity to capture with all this extra time, you know, with everything going on in the world. So there is a lot of little moments like that on the album that I'm glad that, you know, we didn't try to redo in a more sterile way. Did I answer your question at all?
2: (laughs) You you, you did because, (laughs) (laughs) no, because I really, I mean, I just think you guys made a classic and, and that's sometimes hard to see in the moment, but sometimes it's also really obvious and there's something about this record and I've loved both your records before this, but, but seriously, uh, Blue Rev, you know, I do, I feel like we're going to be singing these for a long, long time.
1: Oh, thanks for saying that. It's, uh, that's very nice.
2: Well, Molly, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk about it. Seriously. It's always such a pleasure to hear from you all. Um, I selfishly hope it doesn't take another five (laughs) years, but whatever.
1: Hey, I'll remember (laughs) you next time. I promise.
2: (laughs) I'm just a guy with a face and a voice. Now that I know you've had that
1: old computer, yeah.
2: (laughs) Here's the thing. I'll say this. Um, Not about the old, old computer, but like, so the one I've got next to me, you're talking about people who won't give them up, you know, are very, uh, a friend of mine uh, who's a scientist and does the same nerdery that I do in collecting. Um, he just gave me this one. And, uh, he's like, I've got like dozens of them in my basement. My oh. wife needs to get rid of them. So he just gave it to me. Cause I needed something that ran an old version of windows to play these old dumb CD ROMs. So, so there are Whoa. those guys out there. There are those guys out there.
1: And <laughs> that's a, that's a hero right there.
2: <laughs> uh, Molly, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you today.
1: Yeah, you too. Take
0: care.
2: The last time that uh, Molly and I spoke was uh, back in 2017, which left no impression on her whatsoever, apparently. <laughs> but uh, it was a fun uh, conversation. I'm going to include that one here as well. This is us talking about their uh, sophomore record, "Antisocialites." Uh, it was uh, it was a record that uh, that saw Molly exile herself to a small island in Canada for a bit, resulting in uh, in really what was an excellent follow-up that that loosely tells of a relationship arc. Uh, so we got to talk about the record, favorite punk bands, uh, and Norman Blake of Teenage Fan Club. So uh, part two, Kyle Meredith with Always.
4: Hello. Hello. How are you?
2: I'm well. How are you?
4: I'll be asking the questions today.
2: <laughs> you know what? That's Fine. I don't know how I can handle them. Questions are hard; they really are. I don't know how you do this.
4: I don't really. I don't do it well. I'm trying though.
2: My job to continuously come up with questions, and and every now and then when I have to be on the other side, it's really uncomfortable. So I and I don't know to be in a press day like you are. I feel for you. My heart goes out to you.
4: This is a uh, a weird junket. It's like a you don't get to see anyone. It's kind of <laughs> cool though.
2: It's way I like it. It's you know for I, I I'm I'm sorry to borrow this for for an anti-socialite who works li- who works in media and likes to be around things like that but also likes to be in a room by myself with that record i've been listening i guess since i got the link uh, for the last couple days and i feel like i'm really having a good time with this and and i'm dancing around and smiling and then when i finally do stop to listen to the lyrics i realize that i've i've been really enjoying someone's heartbreak To that's
4: fine that's ab- the idea
2: yeah and and I, I you know i won't pry too much but am i am i enjoying your heartbreak or a really great fiction piece
4: I sadly have to say it's a fictional narrative, but um, is it more exciting if I say it's my life? Because I'm sure I could come up with something juicy.
2: (laughs) I don't know that it is. I I sort of, for once, enjoy the fiction piece because you've crafted something really (laughs) cool. Um,
4: I think, you know, the feelings are quite real. I was channeling some some energy, but yeah, uh, I have not, you know, drowned or anything like that.
2: (laughs) I guess I didn't mean to go completely overboard with that. I did that again. I didn't mean to. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) I I guess, I mean, that's the thing about writing a piece like this. And and I think maybe it was used, the phrase was used in the press release, too, about where fantasy meets reality. And I don't know, there's a story about you heading to an island to do this, right?
4: Yes, I was exiled to Toronto Island via ferry. (laughs) Brought a bunch of gear on there, uh, on sort of like a trolley wheelbarrow thing, and set up a PA in a large open concept classroom and just sort of had like a private concert for myself <laughs> many nights probably like two weeks but uh yeah during the day i could just like walk along the shore and think of melodies or bike around the island with headphones in which is not really something i advise anyone to do in the city
2: <laughs> um, so why the island though why the why but why why cast away yourself
4: well i realized when we were doing all this traveling that i had written a lot of songs in isolation, on islands, and so I thought this would be the best way for me to do that again without necessarily flying to, like, say, Nova Scotia. Mm. Um, And I think it was, you know, I think it was successful. I I came up with some ideas that, I'm, you know, I feel good about and some that didn't get used, of course, which is the way with making records, but Mm. it's helpful.
2: That word, especially, isolation, because there's something about that in the lyrics. I mean, you know, if this is a, a breakup album, fiction, fictionalized as it is, it does seem to come from a place of um, loneliness is not the word. And, and, and I'll just reuse isolation again. And, you know, and, and the more I think about that, it seems like given where you are in your career at this point in, in the cycle, like, I don't know, do you feel like you spend your, a lot of your life like that? I mean, I, I know what tour bus life can be like. and
4: <laughs> I haven't been on a bus with Always yet. I'm not sure if that's in the works, but <laughs> I, I enjoy being alone. I, I don't usually spend a whole lot of time alone when we're traveling and playing shows and, and doing sessions and things like that, but um, I really do like to just be bored and to be creative. That's kind of how I spent my childhood, and it's a comfort zone for me.
2: Do you think of it as a concept record in that way?
4: Yeah, that's fair to say. It's, it's something I can draw from. I mean, I, I've gone through things in life that I can... In, Draw from those experiences in order to channel some sort of, um, you know, emotional content into into writing like pop songs. Um, And I I've always enjoyed putting uh, dark subject matter into a sparkly three minute fifteen second pop song.
2: I think there's a lot to be said about you know the pop version, the pop side of all of this because, uh, and I guess that's the other part of the story. Um, You're searching for you know you, you were listening I guess to a lot of your favorite LPs as the story went. Uh, in in these mornings, and to me, that always felt like... So I'm not a songwriter, but that always felt dangerous. Like, if you're listening to a lot of music as you're writing music, I mean, how, you know, what's the line before that music starts to seep in, and you're like, no, I can't sing that. That's that song. That's whatever that is.
4: (laughs) I don't know how much melody crossover is in the record. Uh, I'm not going to be the one to point that out either (laughs) on air, but... um... (laughs) I think you pick up little affectations from people and, and ways of playing guitar lines and sort of key change ideas, tones, delivery, things like that. I, I'm really fascinated by the idea of influence and how it affects you and whether or not it actually does.
2: Right. And you didn't find that it completely did then?
4: I don't know. I try to channel that in some parts of, of this project and, and I think that eventually it ends up sounding like our band. Yeah, well, is it does. In the end? Yeah. yeah. so I I feel like it's a healthy thing to do.
2: And I should point out, there was never a moment when I listened to this and I went, oh, yeah, that's totally... that's <laughs> <laughs> Sort of just wondering the how crazy. the... Yeah, just sort of wondering how the writer, you know, kind of uh, hears it, because I know that when you, when you do record something, you sort of hear it completely different, especially when you're, you know, oh, I recorded the bass for this thing, and suddenly it's a bass-heavy song for you or something, so... <laughs>
4: It's very that. hard to be objective about your own music. Sometimes We have some friends from where uh, we come from in the east coast of Canada that we'll send things to, and, and they're very straight and always have been, so they'll tell you if something's garbage. We've used them sort of like our little secret weapon.
2: Right in the middle of the record, and, and it's... Probably one of my favorite parts is you get the song Hey and, and Lollipop and I don't know, everything turns into a little bit more hard driving. There's a great lead going on at Hey and I don't know what's happening there. I mean, is it fair to say there there's a punkier movement happening uh, right, right kind of as the centerpiece?
4: We do have a fair amount of energy live. I, I definitely hear that often. That our uh, self-titled is a little bit more subdued than our concerts. But yeah, we're drawn to like bands like Royal Headache or you know the Ramones or you know Buzzcocks, mm-hmm. bands like that. I don't not saying that we sound like those bands, but we listen to a fair amount of that, and it's fun to see people moving around in the audience to certain things.
2: So when you go into it, do you like say, "Oh, I need to write something like that" because Maybe this song isn't. You know, these this group of songs are too laid back.
4: It all depends on where the melody starts, but yeah, I don't I don't have a a quota for sad <laughs> songs versus uh, more peppy ones. Yeah. It just sort of ended up like that, and we ha- we had a few other songs that um, didn't get on the record, but these ones all sort of fit together in a nice way. Yeah, well,
2: I, I love how it's all fit together. I, I love this. I loved your first record. I like this one even more, and I know that's oh, sort of always you. the goal. And and I'm sure it's also been talked about, but the fact that you got Norman Blake on there helping him out, helping you guys out, that's uh, that's fantastic. I'm a I'm a fanny, so it's
4: oh he is yeah. so kind. It's a little bit bizarre. Like he he's very um you don't suspect he's in a really huge band.
2: No, that's true. Uh, well, that was fun. It was it was great talking to you. I can't wait to see you guys uh, take this one out on the road and, and for the release and everything. I, I do love it so much. So thank you for the conversation.
4: Thanks for listening to the record.
2: All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
4: Okay, bye.
2: Bye. And my thanks to Molly Rankin. The new Always album is called Blue Rev. Big old thanks to you as well. For uh, checking out the episode and the series Please do hit that subscribe button So you can keep up again with with all three episodes That we put out every single week New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify and Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or again, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where you'll find me doing a show starting 6 p.m. every uh, 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday. It's a song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them. The addresses at Kyle Meredith. So do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Damn, we're off to a good start.
0: (laughs) It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.